Hello, listeners. This is Peter, and I'm joined by Mark and Philip. So the full crew is here. Um, we like figured to... we'd celebrate Mother's Day together. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, I guess I'd like to begin this pod. Uh, I guess the news of the day is that Djokovic just won Madrid. So he's officially won more clay court tournaments than Rafa this year. He's beaten Rafa in two of his last two of the last three majors, all of which were major championships that he's won. And I'm a little just taken aback by the fact that um, Djokovic has won three straight majors. He's probably the favorite to win the French. So he's the, probably the favorite to win four in a row. And imagine how insane people would be going if it was Federer in this position, or if, the, if it was Nadal in this position. And, or even if it was like Andy Murray in this position, or pretty much anybody else. And um, the last two or three days, I've been trying to, I've been scratching my head and wonder, wondering why this isn't a bigger deal. What did Djokovic do in his past that made it so he's this is not a bigger deal um the the typical things um there they they haven't really shown me anything he's 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 a funny guy he's charismatic he speaks a lot of languages he does his impersonations of people and he can really get the yeah. crowd going he's he's a good-looking guy like he's he's not he's not a I don't know. He's, yeah, he's got, got, he's got my mistress potential. Yeah. He's not Gasquet. And uh, <laughs> yeah, speaking of Mother's Day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so my conclusion for Djokovic is I, I guess one of the things is that he was kind of a brat when he was young and people never really got over it. Um, but I feel like there are people who have been brats when they were young and people have gotten over it, like Agassi. And so my, my, um, my is that Djokovic's downfall, the, the reason he's probably not made 50 to $75 million more in like marketing, uh, than he, than he has already an off the court business is that he's just had a lame haircut his entire career. Because <laughs> think about it. Nadal had really sweet hair when he was younger. Federer had the like long like bun thing and then yeah. has had sweet hair for a lot of his career. Um, mm. And I feel like the the really sort of magnetic, charismatic players uh, throughout men's tennis history have like iconic who've really yeah. caught fire with the fans have had some sort of pretty awesome haircut when they were younger. And yeah. so sure had that, a lot of time to think over the last couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> with, with that intro, I'd like to pass off to Mark and Philip. I mean, let's, let's go through them. There's like Borg, amazing hair. McEnroe, he had the fro. Um, Lendl never caught on with fans, and he didn't have great yeah, hair. Yeah. Uh, and Sampras never fully caught on with fans, and he had kind of boring hair as well. Does this mean Tsitsipas is like a sure thing to be the next big thing? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Zverev that, that. too. It's it, with Zverev. It's almost like he cares too much about his hair. It's like he puts a lot of product in there and too many necklaces. He's got one too many necklaces. 
Felix yeah. has the like Fresh Prince of Bel Air uh, cut going. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so with, with as that we answer intro, your like question, Peter, to, to you guys, to um, is there a time in your life where you feel like, for whatever reason, maybe for the wrong reason, something that you've done very well just hasn't gotten the fanfare you feel it deserved? Mm. But do we have do we have, do we have to cite the reason, or can we just cite? Do we have to cite? The cause, or we can just cite the symptom. I think cite the uh, cite, have a hypothesis where where uh, if you don't really know the cause. Okay, that's fair enough. Phil, you want you want to start? I yeah. So uh, in Paris, I play. I, I guess I used to play squash with like these guys who are in their fifties, who used to be like top fifty in the world. Um, and I, like, beat them, like, pretty much all the time. Um, except uh, each of them has probably beaten me once. Um, and so they all think they're better than me, um, even though I've probably beat them, like, each, like, uh, nine times for every one time they've beaten me. But, like, they all think, like, uh, on their day they're better than me. And so, like, there was a league team, uh, and, uh, the captain, it was his job to give me an assimilated ranking because I didn't have like a real ranking. And this captain, like I've beaten him like every time except once that we've played. And, uh, he put me behind him on the ladder <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just basically, I'm just like, uh, Rodolph, I don't even want to play on this team. I was doing this because, like, I thought, like, you guys, uh, needed me, needed me here. Um, if this is what you think of my game, like, I'm just not going to play. And they got really pissed because, uh, basically they l legitimately thought they were, like, even with me, like, or, like, maybe a little better, even though, like, basically, uh, and then I, like, thought about it, and every time I won, they had an excuse, like, oh, I started a new diet. Oh, the ball we were playing with was, like, skidding. <laughs> it's just like, dude, I was playing with the same ball you were playing with. Um, and basically, no, my excuse... No, it's two different bounces. My yeah. explanation for it is that um, a 50-year-old man's ego is, like an incredibly fragile thing. Uh, especially 50-year-old white men uh, who, are, who have, like, decent amount of money. Uh, they recognize their body is, like, falling, but they just don't want to, like, admit it to themselves. So, like, back in their prime, back when they were my age, or, yeah, they were better than me, but they just don't want to admit that they've diminished. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds very story. hypothetical. In that, that is case. very relevant. Yeah. You and Novak could really have a conversation over this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I've got a story. We have to travel to South America. Uh, but, but, but I think I, in, 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 as I was preparing my story, I started thinking of some of the causes. And I think I've kind of got that pretty much corralled. So there's a building that bears my name in, in Mindo, Ecuador. It's the Mark Elman building. It's a student dorm, and it's true. But uh, I like <laughs> telling the story once in a while when my near-50 white um, 
slightly uh, has too much money in his bank account, ego starts to get fragile. So I like to tell people the story that there is a building that bears my name at a, at a boarding school there. And there's not really a lot of fanfare and enthusiasm for it. And, and I realize there's, there's sort of three contributing factors. Number one, rarely do I follow up that story with a picture of the building because I, I can never find a picture of the building. Um, it's, it's entirely Google unsearchable. In fact, the photo I have of it on Facebook, the, the, the inscription is just too small to read. <laughs> Secondly, they haven't heard of Ecuador. And then third, I think they actually um, think that I, I paid somebody off out of pity to put my name on that building. All three stories, uh, all three explanations have a lot of credibility. So we'll just kind of leave it at that. But it never, ever generates the kind of... Um, genuflection and, and other forms of idolatry that I thought they would. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. And I think I also have pretty plain hair. So I, I can really, I think that's also part of the You problem. could probably get your no... kid into like a nearby university uh, in Quito, Ecuador, if uh, you have a building named after you. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got no resume to put that on. I can't even put yeah. it on an essay. Uh, <laughs> but... But I think a part of my hair is kind of plain, and I've never had it long, and I've never looked like that Brazilian guy who was always in the cover of all those romance novels, Fabio or whatever it was. So, yeah, I got I, that's part. I, I think the hair is. I see a common denominator. Why here. did you never like grow it out or like go for a European soccer player hairstyle? Yeah, I just didn't have this. I didn't have the juggling skills to back it up, but I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> And my jeans aren't tight enough either, but I should have tried. I just I feel like I missed the boat. And speaking of missing the boat, um, it feels like a few of our uh, of the top guns in tennis have kind of been a little bit late for the for their you know at the port of call this year. Uh, and I'm curious what you guys think. Maybe we could we could run through the top ten. And yeah. I, I don't know if there's any more comments on Novak. It, it is surprising. I think that maybe it's deliberate because the last time he won bunch of majors in a row most of the press you know post facto wasn't exactly uh in his favor so maybe it's his way of suppressing other connected stories yeah <laughs> so like i think a good place to start is with number 10 in the world marin chilich because uh <laughs> he's having a disastrous season um i'm bringing it's up good food. it's good good food for thought though right <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, Great food for thought. He, he's having like a... Yeah, what kind of food for thought is it? Like a do, you spicy? Think, do, you think this, do you think his year has been a little hard to digest so far? Yeah, like a little... Sort of like chili, right? With a little too much <laughs> chili powder. Um, so what do you... Do you think he's pacing himself? Do you think he's pacing himself for the Paris Masters? Given that, let's say, people who are in kind of a slump, that's the kind of tournament they can sort of... <laughs> grab at the end of the year kind of like the person who sticks around the frat party long enough they can actually get a, no no a the person who wins the Paris Masters has had a really good year and then they win the Paris Masters and then they just stop like playing well like Kachanov is now he's number 72 in the race now after winning the Paris Masters um, yeah, he's been a and he didn't even win the Paris Masters the sock way like he didn't beat Phil Krajinovic in the finals he beat <laughs> Novak Djokovic in the finals uh, yeah, and somebody else in the semis that was good. That's why it's a so, mini sock and not a full sock, um, <laughs> dude. Uh, Chilich is number fifty-one in the in the 
in the race in the right race. now. Yeah. Yeah, Chil- Chilich, uh, I think that, you know, he has nowhere to go but down. I think he kind of punctured the glass ceiling. It's kind of falling back in his face right now. But we'll see. He'll, he'll, he'll step up his game on the grass court, I think. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about that? You think it's the beginning of the end, or you think he just put, hit the pause button for a while? Well, uh, he he did something um, uh, that's not like sort of his mo. Like in Madrid, he withdrew from a match, which he just never does. Remember, he uh, well, he had he, food poisoning. That's why I was making all the food jokes. Oh, I thought you were like making a play on his name. Sounds like his <laughs> name sounds like chili. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know he had food poisoning. I do know that um, when he was in the finals of Wimbledon and he got injured, uh, he said in his press conference after that he had never withdrawn from a match. Um, and then, like, people fact-checked that, and it was, like, accurate. Uh, and so it is, like, sort of uh, surprising that he did withdraw from that match against Djokovic. Um, yeah, the, the, the listed reason was gastroenteritis. And honestly, like when you have like a really, really bad indigestion, like you cannot go out there. Yeah. Uh, like I, I feel like it's almost easier to play on like an injured calf or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it took the sweet out for like five years. So. <laughs> the, the, uh, what's his name? The one that beat Nadal that time. Sutterling? Oh, yeah. Uh, Wait, he was out for five years for gastroenteritis? I thought it was mono. I mean, like a, like a stomach ailment. They it said was, it, like it started with food poisoning at Wimbledon, and it just morphed into something else. I thought it was like mono. Uh, oh, like maybe, maybe. Mono it nuclear. started with food. Yeah, but it's still, even so, mono still lasts for five years. It's yeah, still, Jesus. But that kind of immune system. Yeah. Um, Who do we have at number nine? Uh, Del Potro. <laughs> Dude, yeah, he he might as well be eating at the same restaurant as uh, as Silich right now. <laughs> he he lost to um, Laszlo Jair in uh, what's it in Madrid in the first round, and he won a set. And Jair is having a really good season. Uh, he's like uh, number sixteen in the race. Um, and so I think that's like Del Potro first match back on his worst surface. I think that's sort of an encouraging result, but. Um, I don't see him having like uh, his big like like I'm back result uh, on the clay. Well, he's got a lot of points to defend. Doesn't he have to make the semis of the French and Wimbledon? So that yeah, that's exactly. It. He's um he's he's really got a lot of pressure on him because um he's gone through the part of the season where he had some points to defend, but he won. He almost did the Sunshine Double last year. Um. But he had a little bit of a cushion, which keeps him in the top 10. But that cushion is about to fall away, slip away from him. And he's got a, he, he, this, this now is the, it's, he's risking, he's on sort of the precipice of the third time he's in the top five and just (laughs) falls to like the 30s or 40s or lower because of injuries. Yeah. Yeah, and he knows yeah, how hard it tough. is now, to He's like, not somebody who gives in to pressure easily. So I don't think the pressure to defend will get in his head. It's more just does he really have the you know, the stamina and, and the confidence, you know, just to, to air yeah. out his shots. It'll be interesting. If he could make the round to sixteen at the French, I'd say even though he'd lose some points, 
that would be a pretty damn good showing. Yeah, and he's going to be a top eight seed in the French if he can maintain his ranking. Because number eight right now, Kevin Anderson, he's like also injured. He's out for the entire uh, clay court season. My guess is that eight, nine, and ten have won a combined less than ten matches this year, which is hard to believe. Yeah, why was uh, why was seven afraid of uh, eight? Yeah, because uh, you know, because eight, nine, nine ten. ten. I think the actual joke so is Anderson, I was six afraid of Anderson. seven. Now it's getting to some some real tennis. Is it's a pass number seven, or is that somebody else? Yeah, it's a pass. It's a career high. He's seven in the world right now. Just got six hundred points from playing in the Madrid final. Did you guys watch any of the final? I did not. Did he make the finals in Germany last week too? Is that two finals in a row? Or that was somebody else in Germany? In Estoril. I think he won Estoril. Okay. Um, so he, yeah, and in Germany, I forget who won Germany. Um, team, but I don't know who he beat. Somebody. Yeah, uh, I know Sverev lost. Um, yeah, uh, Sitsipas, well, he's got incredible hair, so he could be a legend of, in the sport. Um and yeah, his he, success is guaranteed to have a lot more fanfare than Borna Chorich, if they're both similarly good. Mm. Uh, right pass is better. Um, dude, he beat Nadal on clay in like a semifinal in which Nadal was not injured. Um, that's, an, that's a big win for him because he'd never beaten Nadal before, and last time they played, he just got owned. Oh, that was, uh, that was Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Demolition Derby. Yeah, yeah, this was a big result for him because I remember his press conference after Australia and he was basically saying, like, I don't know how I'm ever going to beat Nadal, but I just know I don't want to lose 10 times in a row to him. And yeah. so I feel like he had sort of, he was extra up for that match just because of, I feel like there is a rebound effect to just slaughtering a person. And that rebound is that the next time you play them, they are extra motivated. Yeah, like last season when Nadal beat Team uh, like six oh six two, the next time they played, uh, Team beat him. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm impressed. I, I wouldn't have predicted. I, I would have thought his game was gonna was gonna um, plateau a little bit after Australia. I feel like he was playing too many tournaments, but maybe he's young enough so that he figures a law of averages. You know, if you play six tournaments, you're gonna play four of them pretty well. You know, maybe one or two where you you fall a little short of expectations, but it seems like he's got a lot of momentum. I don't even think he has to do great in Rome to feel good about himself going into Paris because he has already proven, you know, he can hang with the big guys. And my guess is that the matches he has lost on clay this year have been close. So you know, he's been literally been in it. I don't know what today's score was, but but he's been in every match. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. I think it was like six four, six three, six three, six four. It was like routine, but it wasn't terrible. Yeah. And so, um, and the Nadal match wasn't his only good result. He also beat Zverev in three. And um, I think what's sort of nicely budding is a legitimate top 10 rivalry between two guys who are not yet 23 years old. Because um, I feel like not year. only are they like, pretty much right next to each other in the rankings and both like 
sort of the heralded young studs. Um, they don't really like each other either. And so um, that's going to be a, that could become a gift that keeps on giving. How do you, know, so, how do you know they don't like each other just because nobody likes Varev? Yeah. No, because I remember um, after, I think there was a match, I forget which tournament. It may have been Montreal or Toronto or. Yeah, the, that's, that where, was it. Where, where uh, I think since the pass was down a set in 5 1 and came back to beat Zverev. And Zverev was like pissed at himself. And in the press conference, being like, he's not really that good. It was all me, like being an at, being like just a shitty closer. And, uh, I think that kind of like sort of set the tone for their uh, their back and forth. When when we get to Sverev, I have a I have a take. Um, All right. But uh, who's next, Nishikori? Who's six, Nishikori? I think Nishikori. He manages to stay in the conversation. I, I give him credit. You know, fighting back from injury and then. You know, if he has one or two bad tournaments and he falls under the radar, he usually uses that as like a, a springboard to uh, to to exceed expectations. I think I think he'll be tough. You know, he's not a type of guy I'd want to play in the round of sixteen. He he won't he won't make a victory easy on anybody. Yeah, I think Nishikori is sort of taking up that space that Burditch took up like five years ago, which is like the guy who's like definite top eight, but not gonna win a major. Yeah, no, they I, don't even let him stay in the hotel past like, Friday of the, <laughs> last week. Like that's, it's like you know that the the pass key just automatically expires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and he's not the best player in the world. Where he never has been. Do you think it bothers him that he's never actually the best player in the world that wears Uniqlo, even if he's the most well paid? <laughs> Do you think there's? I think he's the one that the Japanese fans. Uh like are the most drawn to apparently he just like can't can't walk down the street in japan yeah he's the opposite of us despite unimpressive hair he gets uh, <laughs> he gets more more fanfare than is deserved yeah he, um so he was in the real tennis rankings i think he got to number four like a couple of weeks ago and when he was number f- i i it sort of hit me because um he's as he's been coming back from injuries He's always been like under ranked, and then when he got up to number four, I just felt like, whoa, he's <laughs> over ranked. He's like too high. It's David Ferrer. I think Ferrer is probably a better, almost a better analogy than yeah. He's, he's like half Ferrer, half Burditch. Dude, Ferrer are- was so good. He was just so unlucky with his timing. Like true Murray, true. Nadal, like. Ferrer was always number five in the world, but just like the clear number five. Like yeah, there was chose a gap, the wrong country as well. Yeah, there was a gap between him, Songa, and Burdich, and then another gap between him and Murray. Yeah, I do wonder what Nishikori's record against top five players is in the last like two years, because it could be the sort of thing where he's got like one. He's like one in. 15 <laughs> i would have i would have guessed two and 20 so that sounds about right <laughs> yeah um so, so, five, I, so five my, my, now my bet for nishikori lost some points how how far do you think he'll get in the french i think he'll uh 
he'll make it to the quarterfinals unless uh, Wawrinka is in his section. Like, who, who are guys below uh, Nishikori who could uh, theoretically beat him before he makes it to... I guess Medvedev is another. Yeah, I was going to say Medvedev. Yeah. Um, but he's Nishikori is probably going to make it to the quarterfinals of the French Open. Win a set in his quarterfinal match against whoever he plays, unless it's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, because uh, Sverev is no longer in the top four, so uh, he's going to play a real uh, contender in the the quarterfinals, um, and yeah, and then lose. So speaking of Sverev, what do you think? You think he, this is strategy of just you know stick around, show up every week, and eventually Bob Average just says you're going to win a tournament. Or do you think he's overplaying? Do you think he needs to sort of step back and figure out how to be a good closer? Because I think, you know, if he, it probably was accurate. He said about Tsitsipas that he really isn't a great closer. We've seen him, you know, uh, lose a couple matches in the clay court season alone when he had match ball on, on his serve. So do you think he should step back a little bit and try to, you know, uh, work out that, that kink in his game? Or do you think there's just something about his whole – you know, the whole persona that just doesn't lend itself to, so to I do have meeting thoughts. expectations. I do have thoughts on the subject, but I don't want to say them out loud because um, I don't want <laughs> him to hear them and then act on them because I'm, I'm not a huge fan. I, I like I like the way it's go. I like the way his season is going. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that, Peter. So I think um, he may have he may be like in his own head. Because I think that, to a certain extent, I mean, me and Philip had a debate about him last time, last podcast, where I was basically like saying he's overrated because of injuries, and Philip was saying that it's like, no, you can't fake his results. And sort of um, taking a little bit of Philip's side now, you can't really fake having won three Masters 1000s and uh, and uh, year-end um tournament and uh this should he should still be in sort of a swing where he's um like just sort of riding a massive improvement curve but he's not and i think it might be his um there might be a little bit of curious in there where he's just like he's accomplished a lot but feels like he should have accomplished more and there's like an entitlement that may be like holding him back a little bit. And he may, his mind just like, isn't really on the right yeah, stuff right maybe. now, the same way it was. Yeah. I agree with that. I think, yeah, his lack of, uh, penetration in majors, uh, draw penetration, um, <laughs> is, <laughs> Is uh, yeah, he's not penetrated the men's draw very well, he's probably penetrated the female draw, <laughs> yeah, very yeah. Well. He just so. he hasn't really penetrated the men's draws, um, effectively. Um, <laughs> and I think it's actually uh, like caused him to be uh, not very highly liked among the other male players just because uh, his insistence, um. Uh, of, of his attitude, uh, like I think Mark, you were the one who said that Zverev is even less liked in the locker room than Fognini. <laughs> uh, 
think, I mean, you see it. You see people want to play doubles with Fognini who are not related to him. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> wants to play doubles with Zara for somebody who's related to him. So I think that says a little bit right there. Yeah. And uh, I have a hot take based on that subject. I think uh, Sverev is the male Maria Sharapova. Just like, okay, he strikes a really nice ball. He's tall and blonde and, you know, good looking if you're into that. But he's just so annoying. That's really good. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Because he has a very similar game, too. It's kind of like the, the long, loopy shot. There isn't really much flash to like why he's good, but he's clearly good. Yeah. He just strikes a really clean ball. Like, flat and hard. Um, not the most athletic, but athletic enough for it to not like hold him back. Um, he's actually more athletic than he looks like he's really good at like the squash shot defensive forehand at on the stretch um yeah um yeah I think like what you were saying he's just sort of not playing that well right now and I think it's gonna click sooner or later unless he like just becomes the next Grigor Dimitrov who we kept saying that about but is now ranked 57 in the world because it just like continues to not click, even though we know how talented he is. Yeah, but what's Dimitrov's uh, career high is, like, Zverev has been number three in the world for, like, a year and a half now. Dimitrov's career high, what is it? It's, um, three. It's, oh, he's number three, wow. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, but this, I think this Vera thing is he's won he's probably won one or two Masters one thousands when the rest of the competition and there's there's no shame in that. I mean, when the rest of the competition was truly playing to win. But I think he's won his others when the top two or three, you know, seeds were kind of at the tail end of their season physically, mentally. Joker and had to have checked out by the time he got to London. I mean, sure, he wanted to win, but it wasn't life or death. Same thing for Fed, who lost to Zverev in a close match. A couple of the others, I think that he's he's won a Masters 1000 when the others were already looking ahead to the major. So, you know, they were kind of using that last tournament as kind of a glorified tune-up. I mean, if he can beat Nadal or beat Joker when they really, really want it, that's a different story. but And I think that the best reflection of how well he plays in big matches is how he's done in the majors, which just, you know, the other part of the season, he makes up for that a little bit, but his, until he makes it to a quarters or a semis in a major, I just feel like his rankings inflate. He really has that ranking because he's played more tournaments than anybody else rather than playing them consistently well. Yeah. I mean, props to him for not we're, getting we're, hurt. So right now that he's number 15 in the race. Where do you guys think he ends up at the end of the season? Who? Sverev. Uh, eight or nine. I think he's on, on the way down. Yeah, I think he'll be... Unless he does really well in Wimbledon. I don't think... I think he'll be number seven. I'll give him seven in the world. I think he'll have like a decent hardcore summer spring. Or summer... And he might like actually have a decent Grand Slam showing in one of the last three. Because he's like a yeah, multi-surface I, player. He'll have to. I think he'll have to. Because the other guys are nipping at the heels. He, he's too good not to like get on some sort of roll. 
Um, he might even do the whole, he might be this year's God of post us open time. Um, I think, but I, yeah, I think you guys are, I mean, Mark says like seven, eight or nine, you say seven, like that's basically the same thing. And I'm in that same ballpark. Yeah. Okay. So that's fair. Uh, what, so now we're up to number four in the world. Uh, Dominic team. And, uh, he's had a pretty good, um, clay court season, even by his standards. No, he's been excellent. I think he's, uh, he, he's starting to set him. I mean, everybody, it's like a NASCAR race or whatever. You just, when you think somebody's got to push ahead of the pack, there's something happens or some obstruction, but he seems that he's this year, at least he's separated himself from that pack of, of sort of young, young, you know, young, talented, fairly impressive pedigrees, but haven't been able to put it together on a consistent basis. He's, you know, where maybe Goffin or or Kyrgios or uh, or uh, the aforementioned uh, uh, the the Bulgarian guy Dimitrov that the team really has. He's had like three or four big tournaments where he played good players and played extremely well and beat them when they were playing pretty well. Yeah, like both beat- times he beat Fed. Fed was playing well, so that that says something. Um, he took took Nadal out last week, right? Yeah, he didn't week? just beat Nadal and on clay. He beat Nadal on Pista Rafael Nadal in Barcelona, um, which I think is actually the first time Nadal has lost in Barcelona since the court was named after him. Um, and uh, he lost to Djokovic this week in Madrid in two t- tiebreaks. Um, could have gone either way. Yeah, um, Djokovic didn't have to play a match the day before, and team had a long one. Yeah, and not only so. that, but he proved to be a really good team player. Um <laughs> by making the finals and doubles with uh, Schwartzman. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be tough. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I, with the right odds, I'd bet on him to win the French. But I, I'm impressed, and I, and I, I don't think he'll he'll lose much ground. He, I, I would expect him to be, you know, firmly in the top five the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. I think we all in our preseason <laughs> rankings had him number four in the world. So he's like making us all look smart. He's um, he's. Yeah, he's had a great um, clay court season and a spring. Even a, he won his first Masters one thousand. He's got just like a new jolt of confidence to him. Um, he had a very tough draw in um, in Madrid because he would have had to have beat if Nadal had made the finals. He would have had to have beaten the big three in consecutive matches. His, one thing that's pretty notable about team is he's now four and two against Federer. So he has like the edge in their the clear edge in their head to head, and I, clear obviously this is old Federer, not like prime Federer, but old Federer is still yeah. crushing Close pretty to much prime everybody Federer. else. Uh, I th- I think it means that just team team really is that fourth guy right now. Um, yep, and uh, I think part of his. His uh, chances in the French will will revolve around his draw, and basically, how many of the big three does he have to beat? Because I think he could beat one. He might be able to beat two. I mean, he's he has to beat, beat three. all three of them. 
No, no, he, he won't have to because he's number four in the world, so he'll only have to beat two um, if they all make it to the semis. Oh, yeah. So, wait, Federer, so the other three are the top three. Okay, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, but, like, I think what... Well, I mean, unless I, they seeded Fed outside of the top four, like, if they didn't go by rankings, but there would be no reason to do that. I think so. Rafa is the one whose chances really rely on the draw because I think he's much more comfortable against... Uh, like, if Team and Djokovic uh, are on the same side, it means he only has to beat one of the two. Whereas, like, if he has to beat yeah. both of them, I think he's uh, he's out of luck. Yeah, well, I mean, it suggests that the French might and and might or maybe probably should live up to seedings. You may see the top four in the semis. Uh, depending on who gets Medvedev and, you know, how, how on his game is. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, but that's I agree. a good segue he's, to he's Federer. Good fed- because, what, like, what's your assessment of Fed on on the clay? Uh, did did he do better? Did he meet expectations? I uh, think he, he definitely uh, exceeded my expectations. Uh, I mean, he looked like he knew. Yeah, it looked like he felt he was just natural on it. Um, like uh, he's just gonna be, he's gonna be a tough out in Roland Garros. Um, I think it'll be tough for him to yeah, win it though, we're just not because good after Australia. Yeah, it's like best of five on clay is like the most grueling thing. Um, And he's 37.7 years old. Like, I just would have, I would be shocked. Um, I would bet my right testicle that he does not win um, Roland Garros. Okay, I'll uh, I'll put up $100 against your right testicle (laughs) and we can make that bet happen. Some people would say it's worth about that. Yeah, <laughs> I think Fed Fed isn't judging himself. I think it's more like this is just kind of like this is truly uh, you know like a scratch off ticket type of you know he just decided to play the lottery. What the hell or the or the lotto scratch off ticket mentality? And not that adding ranking points, but if he can just beat one one of the young stars, if it's Zverev or somebody like that in the quarters and make the semis, just kind of like you know make them. Uh, force some young dude to delay, eating, you know, getting the frosting on the cake. I think I'd be pretty happy. Like to me, if Fed makes the semis of the French, it's it's analogous to winning it. Um, yeah. Um, I I could see him making the semis. Um, I think Sitsipa, uh, the people who I think who would take him down, who are ranked below him, I think Sitsipas would beat him. I mean, let's look at the like people who will be ranked five through eight. I think Del Potro would lose. I actually lose. don't think since pass would beat him because he beat him in Australia, and I just don't think Federer. Uh, I think Federer would have that extra like motivation to beat Sitsipas. Yeah, he already beat him in Dubai, so it'd be like uh, Dubai or Rotterdam. One of those he beats Sitsipas in the final. So it's like, yeah, you, you know. It's, Fool me once, you know, fool me twice type of thing here. But I think Sitsipas is legitimately, at this point in yeah. their careers, like the better clay court player. Um, like, uh, yeah, that'd be great. I, I think, think it's kind of how I think that's how I think that's how he would measure that. his tournament. Beating somebody like that would be enough for him to say it was, it was worth the training and it was a successful, you know, a successful grand slam foray for him. Does so Federer would beat Del Potro? Would he beat Nishikori? Yeah, I think he would beat Nishikori. 
Um, and then Zverev, he would beat Zverev. Yeah, yeah so Sitsipas is the one he, like the top four guys, uh, don't want in their section of like the quarterfinal um, prospects. And then Stan yeah. is the other, but like Federer, I think Federer would beat Stan. But, um, he's not, Stan is not back to Grand Slam winning form. Stan will be tough. He, he won't make it easy on anybody, but he's not the Stan of two, three years ago. Yeah. Um, so, so is Rafa still licking his chops because of Australia, or you think he's smartly, in a way, even if even if the results may not show, has kind of smartly paced himself. He hasn't overplayed. Maybe losing earlier in the draw than normal might be a blessing in disguise. Come Paris, or do you like, think we have to see what his results are in Rome to make to determine whether or not he's so with of, Rafa? I think the positive is that he seems healthy, like uh, his. He's not getting the results that he wants, but it's not because he's injured. Um, and yeah, Peter and I were actually talking about Rafa uh, like yesterday. He always looks irritated on court now. Like it just doesn't seem like he's having fun like ever, um, which is like a little bit different from how he was like when he was up and coming. You know? Um, yeah. Do you do you have you seen a guy who just looks like? more pissed off like all the time than Rafa on court. I haven't watched enough, but he does look uncomfortable. He's just, uh, I think and he's who knows? Actually, Maybe there's, he's getting too many different inputs. I think he's actually just always in pain. Um, I think his, his uncle Tony had a quote recently saying like, Rafa's not a tennis player. He's an injured person who plays tennis. <laughs> um, and I think, uh, so another part of our conversation yesterday was like, you look back at old Rafa and he's just such like a smooth mover and just the, he was the fastest one. And, you mean look back at um, young Rafa? It's been pretty remarkable to, his, his talent has become like really clear and the fact that he's like no longer the fastest one and is still a top five player. Um, and you could see that like Federer had the game to be a top five player, even not being the fastest one, but it wasn't always clear that Rafa could. Um, but I, I think that, uh, I've, um, I don't know. I, I do think that both Novak and Rafa have that grand slam gear that, uh, we always, we always sort of see the results in the lead-up tournaments and think that others might have a chance. And then they hit the Grand Slam gear and the Grand Slams. And we we're, it's always sort of a wake-up call where we're like, oh, wait, no, no one's actually close to them. Um, but I do think that uh, Novak will still have that gear. And Rafa's is, Rafa is just like, for some reason, he's just in a slump. Um, and it may just be tougher for him this year. Yeah. Uh, well, it's good for the game. It's good that it's not a foregone conclusion. I mean, before the issue was never even, for the most part, whether or not he would even win the tournament, but could, would he even lose any sets? So I think the fact that, yeah, Novak will be the clear favorite, but he's shown himself to have some lapses or just, you know, tightened up towards the end of the matches. His confidence will be strong. Rome, I don't think, will matter as much. I think he's gotten enough tennis in. But, but I think the fact that the draw is wide open is one of the reasons why you're seeing T 
team and sits a pass and even fed, you know, playing better because they feel like it's not just, you know, the season, the, the winning side of the season doesn't end when they get to Paris, that, that there is, you know, that, that uh, somehow the monopoly is being broken up a little bit and that, and that, that there's four or five, you know, serious contenders for it. I think it'll make the tournament more fun to watch. I mean, even as Rafa fans, maybe that'll, you know, surprisingly make it more interesting because it's not a foregone conclusion. Yeah, Peter, as a Rafa fan, uh, what do you care more about? Uh, Djokovic not winning or Rafa winning? I want Djokovic, if I, I want Djokovic to win if Rafa doesn't because I want Djokovic to, uh, if Rafa can't catch Fed, I want Djokovic to be able to. <laughs> yeah. My enemy's enemy is my friend. I gotcha. I don't know. It's more of like a, I'm a Rafa fanboy, but I also just want the best man to win. And I feel like Djokovic is legitimately the best of the three. He has a winning. He has a clear winning head to head against both. He's had the most dominant seasons ever in the most competitive years ever. And uh, dude, like nobody wants to play him. He would, he's the betting favorite against either of those guys every single time. Yeah. Yeah. I think if Rafa doesn't win, I would want like either team or Sitsipas to win. Uh just because like it would be cool to have like a young guy like a next generation star who I actually like watching. So basically a next gen guy who isn't fair of it. No, I understand. Well, that means we kind of covered Djokovic. So, are there any other matches, any other players who are on your radar for Rome? Uh, I would, I guess, if Djokovic is healthy, it's his tournament to lose. Uh, do you see Fed and you see T- Fed, anybody? You think Fognini will have a good run through through uh, Italy? You think Medvedev? Who, who side of the top four do you see is you know possibly making it to the last week? Uh-huh. If any of them. Um, I'm looking at the draw right now. Uh, I think the Del Potro section is, uh, wide open. So there's, like, Del Potro gets a bye, he's the seventh seed, and he plays the winner of Goffin and Stan, who, that's, like, a pretty stacked first-round matchup. And then another, uh, first-round matchup in Del Potro's section is Medvedev versus Kyrgios. So it's just I think that'll be like an interesting who makes the quarterfinals from uh from that group. Yeah. Um another who, one is who you call it in the Fognini Sanga match. Uh Fognini, who are you calling? Yeah, yeah, I would the same, but I think you just never know which Fognini's gonna show up. Um, but I think playing in Italy, he, he'll be tough. He may, he may be. I wouldn't want to play him in the quarters. Any of those guys, just because if he's one, you know, when he has that, he, he, he plays the blase card as well as Kyrgios, but he plays the I actually do care card even better. He actually does care, whereas Kyrgios really doesn't seem to care. So. <laughs> I think, uh... Or maybe they just it's one and the same. Maybe they really are like you guys. They're just, you know, two and one. I don't know. Another, another interesting uh, thing is that uh, Felix and Federer are in the same like section, um, which means if they if they both make the third round, uh, they would play each other for the first time. 
and that, that could just be like uh I don't think it'll be an iconic match but like Felix yeah, has like it would be good yeah like tennis legend potential so it could be just like a legend at the end of his it could be like just like Sampras playing McEnroe when like McEnroe was old yeah it could become a frequently referenced head to head yeah um I think uh, this is really a tough match to. This is really a tough tournament to predict because you don't know who's going to be taking their foot off the gas a little bit versus who's actually really trying and gaming to win it. And uh, Zverev won it last year uh, when the same dynamics were in play. Honestly, I could see Zverev no. winning it again. No, Zverev, like the Zverev, one won, the Zverev won Madrid last year. Uh, um, Zverev almost won last year in Nadal. Caught up in the end. Yeah. Wait, who won Rome last year? Nadal. Nadal. But Zverev should have won that match. It just started raining when Zverev was up in the third. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I remember I that. Remember that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he hasn't won a tournament yet, and he is Nadal on clay. Yeah, team is in his, uh, his eighth of the draw, um, which is annoying. Um Sver the 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 uh, seedings were done before the rankings updated. So Sverev is ranked ahead of seated ahead of team in this tournament. But they play against each other. I actually wouldn't, wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind Nadal losing again to team and just having a week and a half to really uh, train for Roland Garros. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. Uh, and since like Nadal's hotel is like right like across the street from where I live, like maybe I'll see him a little a few more times this year. Yeah, maybe why he hasn't done as well. He hasn't. You haven't seen him enough. Yeah. But uh, well, it should be it should be a fun week in Rome. Maybe we'll uh, we'll check back with all our fans to- towards the end of the week and uh, and and see. You know, do we, exactly like you say, it, it really depends on what. I would say each of the top five. What is their objective? Is it just to get two, three matches in and and you know pick up their stakes, or or do they feel like they need to kind of send a message to the rest by winning the tournament? I don't. I don't think either of the people in the top four need to do that. I think they need to make the quarters, and then they're free to you know they're free to exit stage left. But we'll see. Maybe Fed. Maybe in, in this case, maybe Fed's got more more at stake than any of them. Just to kind of say, hey, I, I really could. If if the cards fall in my place, you know, win the French with a with an injury or, or let's say Medvedev beats Djokovic or something like that. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, and this is actually the first time I can say this, but uh, a big development with our podcast is where uh, on iTunes now. So uh, if you like what you've heard, um, give us a five star rating and uh, tell one of your friends about it. Um, yeah, and thanks for getting this far in the podcast, and uh, uh, we'll be we'll we'll be back uh, at least by the French Open. <laughs>